the Ascension of the Lord. It's a feast which, as the prayers of the Mass and the readings of the Mass tell us, is a feast of immense joy as well as an encouragement and hope. Joy because the glory of the things that have taken place, the joy of, of seeing our Lord ascending into heaven, being lifted up from whence he first had come, condescending, coming down to us, a joy to be able to see all of these things taking place, the fulfillment of all that had been spoken, happening right there before one's eyes. Indeed, our blessed Lord spoke earlier in his life, talking to the apostles, said, blessed are your eyes for the, to, to see what you see and your ears that hear what you hear. For many people desired to see it and to hear it, but they did not. They died in hope. They died in faith, trusting and hoping that one day the Lord would fulfill these promises. But the apostles were able to see it. They were able to hear the words of our Lord, to receive this good news, to allow it to increase within them, to well up with joy, and especially to increase in their hope. The fact is the ascension is, of course, part of that larger picture of we have of the life of our Lord of how he who is the the second person of the blessed trinity he who is the eternal one from all creation through whom all things were created all things that exist exist because of him that god the father in his love for us sent the second person the son and he took on flesh he took on our humanity our broken humanity and united it to god in the person of jesus christ that incarnation is the greatest miracle the world has ever seen. It is the unthinkable thing that God has done, that he has taken on our flesh, that he's become one of us. He who exists above all things has become one like us. This Jesus remained for 30 years, quietly preparing for the day that the ministry would be taken up. For some three years or so, he walked and talked and preached in various synagogues and places, drawing people to himself, collecting a group of followers, a chosen band of 12 who would be gathered around him, 70 others who would be gathered around them, a sort of uh, kind of extension of that smaller group, and the many hundreds and thousands that would follow listening to the man's words. In the end, all of this culminated with his death, his resurrection. For 40 days, walking around again, speaking to them, giving them a, a sort of summer intensive on the kingdom of God during these 40 days, appearing to them to show them the reality of all that had taken place. The truth of his resurrection gave life to everything that he had spoken, because if a man can rise from the dead, why doubt anything else that he has said? And at the end of this, his ascension, his ascension is the penultimate piece. It's not the final part. Because, you know, our Lord ascends into his heavenly glory. He returns again from which he came. But he ascends not simply to, to distance himself from us, as the prayers of the Mass, the preface, will remind us, but rather it is so that he can send his Holy Spirit, so that he can send the life of God into us. All of this, if you think about it, is simply a, a making present once more in a spiritual manner what God did on that first whenever he created Adam and Eve. When he created Adam, he came and he, he made from the, from the dust and of the clay, 
he brought together the physical material and fashioned for himself the body of a man. But then he had to breathe life into his nostrils that the man would come alive, that the man would be alive in a physical sense, not only that, but even more so in a spiritual sense, that it would be a person and not just a physical thing, a person with the ability to love, to know. This is what our Lord has done for us in his church. As he came down among us to be able to do that thing which we ourselves could never have done, to be able to have a spiritual life, an eternal life. The eternal life is what God desires for us. And so to make this possible, he took on, he took on our flesh. He took on our flesh and came among us. And in so many ways, the words of Jesus are like the hands of God the Father working once again to be able to gather up the dust, to gather up the clay, and to shape it into something, to shape it into the body of Christ, the church, to be able to bring it all together, gathering each of the members, calling them close, binding them together in Christian charity but it takes a final piece to make the body come alive in the truest sense. It takes the breathing of the Spirit into the nostrils, and this is what Pentecost is for us next week. It is that breathing of the life into the body that then gives, gives that life so that the apostles immediately are sent out and go and preach to the conversions of thousands. At this point, though, it is for us to look forward to these things in hope, it is to rejoice that the Lord has come down among us and gathered us to himself to build for himself a church, not just a, an institutional structure, but to the church is the recognition that is the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. We are all his members. We are part of him, and he desires to bring us with him. And this is the source of the hope that this feast seeks to instill within us, is as the where the head has gone, the body is called to follow. The head has gone to his glory. The head has gone to be seated at the right hand of the Father. The head has gone to that place of heavenly rest and heavenly glory, heavenly joy, where there are no sufferings, where there is no death, where there is no pain and sorrow, where there is the joy of union with God, with others. To be, able to, be able to, to be able to understand all of these things, all the questions that we have in the course of this life will find their answers in Him. And this is a source of our hope, that we are part of that, that we are called to that same. That it's not as if the ascension of our Lord, again, that He has gone to separate Himself from us and leave us behind and say, well, I gave you a really good book. I hope you read it well and entrust us to ourselves. He gives us the Spirit, the promise of the Father, he refers to it as, that promised first inheritance given to us, and the inheritance, the full inheritance, is heaven, that eternal life which our Lord enjoys this moment in his resurrected body, heaven, the presence of God the Father, the fullness of the love of the Son, and the power and the goodness of the Holy Spirit. It's this that he imparts to us, the hope of that promise, that promise too where all the sorrows of this life in this valley of tears will be wiped away 
and the joys of this world will seem as nothing compared to the joys that lie ahead. So we rejoice in all of the good that the Lord has done for us. We allow our hearts, too, to rejoice, much like the disciples in the accounts given to us today, to be filled with holy joy, to be able to know that these things have taken place, that our ears can hear this good news, that we can able to, to receive it within our hearts, to know it with our minds, but most importantly, to be filled with hope, hope of the resurrection of our bodies, looking forward to the day we'll be able to behold the face of God in eternal joy.